0: February 17th, our reading in the New Testament today will be from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13, through chapter 3, verse 6. We'll read about His fellowship with sinners. Why? Because they are sick, and He is the only physician who can heal them. He frees us from bondage. He is Lord of the Sabbath the giver of rest. Man's religious traditions can be a terrible yoke of bondage, but when you follow the Lord, you experience freedom and rest. And as we get into the beginning of Mark chapter 3 here today, we'll see that some resist the servant. Servant with a capital S. The religious leaders were more concerned about protecting their tradition than helping a man with a handicapping condition. In spite of all that Jesus did and said, they hardened their hearts and resisted his ministry, even to the extent of accusing him of being in league with Satan. In the end, they cooperated with the evil one. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. February 17th, Mark chapter 2, verse 13, through chapter 3, verse 6. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that gathered around him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. That night, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. There were many people of this kind among the crowds that followed Jesus. But when some of the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call sinners, not those who think they are already good enough. John's Disciples and the Pharisees Sometimes Fasted One day some people came to Jesus and asked, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while they're with the groom, but someday he will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And who would patch an old garment with unshrunk cloth? For the new patch shrinks and pulls away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger hole than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine needs new wineskins. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, His disciples began breaking off heads of wheat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, They shouldn't be doing that. It's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. But Jesus replied, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what King David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest, ate the special bread reserved for the priests alone, and then gave some to his companions. That was breaking the law, too. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made to benefit people, and not people to benefit the Sabbath. And I, the Son of Man, am master even of the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Would he heal the man's hand on the Sabbath? If he did... They planned to condemn him. Jesus said to the man, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Is it legal to do good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing harm? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily because he was deeply disturbed by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal again. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to discuss plans for killing Jesus. Psalm 36, verses 1-12 through Man's Wickedness David had seen a good deal of life and knew what human nature was like. He knew his own heart as well. But in this psalm, he shared a special oracle that God gave him. We'll read about God's faithfulness. God can be trusted always to do what's right. And the safest place in the world is under His shadow in the Holy of Holies. We'll also read about the believer's blessedness. God satisfies His people with the water of life and the light of life. He protects them from the enemy and provides for every need. The word pleasures in verse 8 is Eden in the Hebrew. When you dwell in God, you are in paradise.
1: It was an incredibly hot summer, August of 1970. I was actually a young preacher, just married, college student, athlete, playing college baseball. But I was in a little town in West Texas called Crowell, preaching a student-led revival. That morning I got a telephone call. What I got at the end of that call was not what I expected, certainly, to ever imagined, And that was my brother telling me that our father had been injured. And I said, injured? How injured? And he said, well, a shoplifter has hit him. I said, hit him? What do you mean hit him? He said, with a hammer. My dad, who was a hardware store manager, tried to apprehend a shoplifter and it turned into a scuffle and a man picking up a hammer and beating my father with this hammer. My father was lingering between life and death and in Harris Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, and of course I needed to get there as soon as possible. There was my father laying between life and death. He never regained consciousness for 10 days. and We waited and waited and waited and prayed and prayed and prayed and expected and believed that he would rise again, but it just didn't happen. I went down into a little chapel at the hospital there and began to pray and ask God all the kinds of questions that you would expect that we would ask in the response to a tragedy. Questions like, how could this happen? Why did this happen? Why my dad? Why our family? My dad was my hero and in my mind indestructible and my mind sort of just hurried through the 20 years of my life and growing up with this man, strong and vibrant, a Christian gentleman, and now he's gone. And my mother is grieved, our family is brokenhearted, and what do you do? What do you do now, what do you do next? And So I just prayed, and I can't tell you exactly what happened to me in that room, but I know something very powerful and yes, very wonderful happened to me in that little chapel uh, about 10 30 in the evening all by myself because the presence of God just invaded that place in my life I realized that we were up against something bigger than ourselves this wasn't just a normal occurrence but we sensed the power of darkness I was a young preacher and didn't know much about spiritual warfare or spiritual powers or the supernatural But I realized that something very dark was at work in this situation with my dad and now in the world I realized that there was a greater force in the world and it was beyond us It was beyond me. It was beyond anything that we could imagine. It was an unseen world Now for a little Baptist boy who'd really grown up in a very traditional Baptist church, this was all new information because the Holy Spirit was often the forgotten person of the Trinity. But I began to realize that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ could fill my life and use me in ways beyond my imagination. I also began to realize that we were up against spiritual powers beyond what we could control apart from the power of Jesus Christ. So in that chapel that night, both experiencing God's presence in a very new and wonderful way, his comfort, his joy. I knew he was in that room. But I also realized that I had a battle to fight. And if I was gonna be a preacher and a teacher of God's word, I needed to realize that beyond the visible eye, beyond this visible world, there is a warfare, a battle, that this world is not a playground, it is not a picnic but rather there are spiritual battles to be fought. I remember as a little boy watching a television preacher. It was actually a Catholic bishop by the name of Fulton J. Sheen. And at the outset of this program, uh, there was a voiceover and and, and an opening to the show in which in the dark screen, a man would light a uh, candle. He would just strike a match and light a candle in the darkness. And then this voiceover, it was actually kind of a creepy Voiceover for me, a little boy, to hear. But this voiceover in the early days of Christian television said, Better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. I came to understand what that really means at the death of my father. That rather than shaking my fist in anger at God or the devil or the murderer of my father, to shake my fist and the face of a world that is so wrong that that was not the answer, not to curse the darkness, not to scream or to shout at the darkness, but to turn on the light, the light of Jesus Christ. I found out that's a biblical principle from Romans 12 where we're told that we're to overcome evil with good. So that became the motivation, and really the mission of my life, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to teach God's word in order that we might overcome evil with good, that we might light up the night, that we might turn on the light of Jesus Christ in a darkened world. Because sin does its work, and there are powerful forces of evil that exist all around us, and we're all subject to disease, we're all subject to disasters, and we're all subject to death itself. But when we know Jesus Christ, and when we look beyond the normal veil of life. We see something through the eyes of God's word that changes everything. And that is in the forces of good and evil, the power of God will prevail if we will battle with spiritual weapons, if we will use the spiritual weapons that God has given us. That if we will just open our eyes and see and then respond with the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Did you know in this spiritual battle that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air? Frankly, I don't want Satan controlling the power of the airways. That's what PowerPoint is about. It's about being ablaze with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and starting with our own Jerusalem, our own region and beyond to the ends of the earth to proclaim Jesus Christ.
0: Psalm 36, verses 1-12 through For the choir director, Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Sin whispers to the wicked, deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do what is good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their course of action is never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God! All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your rivers of delight. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. DON'T LET THE PROUD TRAMPLE ME, DON'T LET THE WICKED PUSH ME AROUND, LOOK, THEY HAVE FALLEN, THEY HAVE BEEN THROWN DOWN, NEVER TO RISE AGAIN. PROVERBS 10 VERSES 1 AND 2 THE PROVERBS OF SOLOMON A WISE CHILD BRINGS JOY TO A FATHER, A FOOLISH CHILD BRINGS GRIEF TO A MOTHER. Ill-gotten gain has no lasting value, but right living can save your life.